Welcome to the Boulder Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Davis. This episode is part of our continuing COVID-19 coverage and begins our run-up to Boulder Startup Week, taking place May 11th through 15th. Like most gatherings these days, we're going virtual in 2020. Find details at boulderstartupweek.com. Today, I speak with Chip, CEO of the Downtown Boulder Partnership. We discuss what the partnership is doing to support downtown businesses and their employees in this time of virus, and get into some of the questions about what we might expect to see as things begin to loosen up in Colorado and beyond. Chip and I spoke via Zoom on April 22nd. How has downtown Boulder's mission or approach changed since the onset of the coronavirus? It's a great question. And I think our job has drastically changed in a lot of ways and our our core purpose is not. I mean, we're here to support the business community. We're here to support downtown as a district to do everything we can do to make it successful for the, the businesses in downtown and for the visitors to downtown. Our normal main tactic is get as many people downtown as we can and show them a good time. Uh, obviously, we can't do that right now, but our core of supporting the business community remains. Where we've shifted our priorities in this is primarily communication with and amongst our, our business community. We've been, you know, information has been for a month now around this coming fast and furious or a little over a month. I don't know. It's all a blur. But, uh, you know, the information initially about the shutdown and what that means, about the federal support and what that means, and a lot of uh, moving targets in terms of what, what the information is and what it means. So we've been really focused on how to, how to filter and support the businesses and getting the information that they need, and also uh, facilitating the business communities to be able to work with each other and talk amongst themselves within sectors and cross sectors. So that's been our primary focus. We've also continued promotion. You know, a lot of businesses are, uh, have adapted, uh, whether it's as, you know, obviously restaurants, a lot of restaurants have been able to shift to do takeout delivery. So we've been promoting that. We've really been promoting gift cards and uh, uh, to take out deliveries for retail and really anything we can do to just promote what exists. And then finally, you know, we're really focused on how do we minimize the long-term damage downtown, whatever that looks like, whether it's the physical environment when nobody's down there, how do we continue our operations of maintenance and graffiti abatement and this and that and kind of protect the environment down there and also whatever we can do to support the businesses. So when we do turn on the lights, as many lights, possible come on. Is there any way to gauge what the response has been like from Boulderites in terms of getting out and supporting those downtown sure. businesses? The response has been fantastic. What we're hearing is people want to help. People want to support local businesses in whatever way they can. A lot of people don't know how. And, you know, businesses have had to be really creative in how they pivot and how they tell the message of here's how you can support us. And some businesses have been uh, more able to do that than others. So we've been really trying to work on that. You know, one of the things we did early on was we uh, propped up a fundraising campaign uh, to raise money for employees who are losing uh, work, losing shifts, losing, you know, who are in 
some form of financial stress, which many are. Uh, and we partnered with a, a startup race, um, uh, racesignup.com. And it's a fundraising platform for races. And so we've created some virtual races where people can go run a 5K anytime they want on their own, log their time and put it up and raise money through that way. And we were able to fairly quickly initially raised uh, $25,000 and give away $500 grants or gifts to a number of employees downtown. We've continued that to keep that fund open and hopefully support more folks who do need to support businesses and nominate their employees, you know, because the businesses are very much know who's hurting most and because they, they lose sleep over it when they can't pay their employees. I, I know a lot of them really do care deeply for their employees so having a fund that can help in some small way uh, is something you know I, certainly we wish we could do more but the response we've gotten from the community in supporting that has been really good and we've seen it also in another in a number of other fundraising efforts that people really want to support small businesses the big challenge is a lot of you know where we are right now in in this moment in time a lot of the small businesses there's not much you can do some businesses, the, you know, the takeout model doesn't work for everybody, you know, or if you're a personal service, you know, I want to support my barber, but I can't go get my haircut. So, you know, I can buy my next three haircuts now and that'll help. But, you know, it is kicking the problem down the road to some degree, but we have an immediate crisis we need to address. So the long way around to answer your question, I think the community is really supportive and wants to be really supportive. And we are trying, along with the chamber and the city and the Small Business Development Center and all of our other partners, really trying to understand how do we communicate to the community how to help? Because a lot of people are, what can I do? Right. And just to clarify, so these races, these like virtual 5Ks that are raising money, that money is being distributed directly to the businesses who are nominating? No, the, the money is being distributed directly to the employee. Okay. So the um, business is... Nominate the businesses nominate their employees and then we, we will give the money directly to the employee. Okay. Um, and it's a $500 gift that the employee can, you know, whatever they need to do with it. And, you know, the application form is really simple. Who are you? Are you laid off? And how does this hurt? <laughs> you know, it's a right. little more eloquent than that on the application form, but we will try to make it simple, but also give us some understanding of how this is impacting you. So we have some, some way to measure and prioritize who we need to help. And do you know how many of these $500 grants or gifts have been distributed? So far, I mean, the really good news is this past week, we distributed the first round and we were able to distribute to everyone who was nominated, which was something around 30, 31 employees. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah. And there's been great support in that. And we'll, you know, we'll continue to kind of talk about that and try to raise some more money. You know, one of the things that's challenging right now is so many people are needing support and there's a lot of fundraisers and none of them are less important than any of them, you know? So, you know, we've said downtown is the heartbeat of Boulder and these are the people who make the heartbeat, right? And so, you know, the employees who work in the stores at the coffee shops and the restaurants and the hair salons, whatever, they're tremendously important for the community. And we need to support our healthcare workers and we need to support, you know, there's a whole range of people and institutions that need our support. So it's going to be a, a big effort, you know, ongoing effort for people who are able to contribute to do so in ways that make a difference. 
has downtown Boulder been doing any lobbying work or anything like that uh, to the city or the local or state government to provide rent relief, rent freezes, or those types of things so that we can kind of try to hold things where they are as much as possible or where they were as much as possible and just ride this out? Yes, no, we're, we're certainly doing a lot of lobbying on local, state, and federal level and through it through a number of avenues. I'll speak to the rent freeze idea or the rent relief idea briefly, but I will tell you, you know, we are advocating strongly for better support from the federal government. Right now, a lot of the support that we've seen in the CARES Act through the, the Paycheck Protection Program, known as PPP, uh, is a lot of money coming to small businesses. One, it's not near enough money. Uh, today, I believe they're approving more funding for that program to prop that up. And you know, there's a lot of challenges with that, that the idea of that funding is to put people back to work. The reality of it is a lot of businesses just can't put people back to work and the forgiveness of the loan is tied to how much they bring their payroll back up to its previous level within a very finite amount of time. So if you are a hair salon, for example, or even many retail stores or restaurants, you get this funding and then in the next eight weeks, you need to bring your payroll back up to the point it was before. So the challenges are many of these businesses can't legally, let alone safely operate in this eight week period. And they're taking employees have to decide, okay, do I take my job back knowing that I got to do this for the eight week period for this money to be forgiven in the loan? Or do I stay on unemployment? And you know, so there's these really difficult choices that Businesses are basically, in order to be able to take this money, that some of it can go to rent, but most of it has to go to payroll, but they don't have a need for payroll right now because they're not open or not fully open or can't be open. So a lot of the funding that's coming from the federal government is really limited in its ability to help small businesses. You're getting a lot of large businesses are taking advantage of that because it's the way the small businesses is defined is based on specific locations. So you know, there, there's a lot of flaws. And, you know, I will say in fairness to as far as anything coming out of D.C. being effective these days, this was really fast. So it's, a, it's remarkable that they got even this amount of support, but it's not enough. It doesn't help. We need more. I expect we will see more. We're advocating for more flexible funds for small businesses. We're also advocating for more funds for local governments. This city gets most of its funding from sales tax and hotel taxes and a little bit from property tax and some other fees and, and things. Most of the revenue sources of the cities any city gets is going away and into a large degree. So the city's already made significant cuts to staff in hiring freezes and also furloughs of over 700 employees. You know, we can't do our job effectively without the city's support. We work very closely with the Conference and Visitors Council. They're funded through hotel tax that's all going away. So we're looking at all of these organizations that we depend on to support our business community so the business community can survive and thrive and create revenue sources for all of these organizations. We're really advocating for how do we all stabilize and then rebuild and, and create some funds to rebuild. On the point of rent freeze, it's a little bit tricky because in order to get out of this, we need the economy to eventually keep going. 
as we put things like rent freezes, a lot of businesses will be able to pay their rent. There are many, many businesses who are not impacted by this just because their business model doesn't touch the things that are, are being hit. Um, some of the larger businesses, you know, many of the property owners in Boulder have portfolios where they own a number of different commercial properties. Some of their tenants are going to be hit really hard and not be able to pay rent. Some of them won't blink. So we don't want to advocate for any kind of cross the board. Everybody gets a deduction or a deferment because if people can be paying their bills, they should be paying their bills. Nobody should be profiting right now. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with many property owners who own property downtown. No one wants to evict anybody. No one's looking to kick anybody out. But they also don't want to give people a break if they don't need a break. Because if they do that, then they can't give a deeper break to somebody else. So all of the property owners, both commercial and residential, have different capacities to be able to provide support or leniency to their tenants. And, you know, that they, they can have flexibility with their tenants. So to that point, I will say we, we are not advocating for any kind of rent freeze. We're, we're advocating that certainly there's protections over delinquency fees or late fees, both for the, the tenants in, in being late with rent if they have to, and also for the property owners who have mortgages and have other things. So some people just, you can't just say you have a rent freeze because then the property owner can't pay their bill. Certainly the property ha owner has equity. There's more flexibility, but we want everybody to be able to pay their bills. So we're advocating much more for let's get money in the hands of the businesses so they can pay their bills, if not today, soon, more so than stop paying now because we need to rebuild the economy and, and just get as much money moving as, as possible where it can be. Do you know how big of a hit in terms of reduced revenue the downtown business community is taking right now? I have no idea. I know it's unlike anything we've ever experienced. You know, I know many businesses, if we look at annual revenue for businesses and we look at April, May, you know, March, April, wherever we are, these are not slow times. This is when stuff starts getting back up. We got, you know, a lot of graduations coming up. So there's a lot of business downtown that we're losing this year in a very busy time. And, and we're going to lose a lot of the summer as well. That's huge. Um, I have no idea numbers. It's daunting to even think about. But yeah, I have no idea what the hit's going to be. And I think some industries are, are going to feel it a lot deeper. Hotels are going to suffer for a while. It's going to be really rough on the tourism industry in general. You know, retail is, is really hurting. Restaurants are able to adapt a little more. I think, you know, we talk about this a lot and certainly we want to support our restaurants. And every day people think about eating and restaurants are one of those things we think about can we get delivery can we support our local business you know you don't have that biological trigger well some people have that biological trigger to go shopping for shoes but not in the same way where we got hungry at the end of the day so you know it's not a priority for people to buy a lot of things that are the retail shops are, are selling especially the small independent retail shops so It'll be really interesting to see how we get through this. And, and what we can do as a downtown business partnership and, and as a community to support rebuilding once we do reopen in a way that's safe and, and makes sense as the time becomes right. Are you already aware of any businesses that are not coming back because of this? I don't think so. I, I've heard of a few in, in other places in the front range and other places around, but I, I have not heard of any in Boulder yet. 
I'll be honest, I, I won't be surprised when we start hearing that. And our staff kind of divided and conquered a list of businesses and reached out to everybody just to hear from folks how they're doing. And it's heartwarming to hear what people are doing and how they're getting through it. And it's heartbreaking to understand that a lot of folks are, this, is, this isn't something you plan for. Right. You know, so it, there's a lot of industries and, in, you know, retail and restaurants, the margins are really thin for a lot of these businesses. And so unless you have some other way to back it up or have been around for a long, long time or and have other some support, it's going to be really hard for a lot of a lot of people. It looks like Colorado is moving from stay at home to safer at home this Monday, April 27th. What changes do you expect to see immediately? And do you think most businesses who can reopen will, since it's still impossible to verify who's sick and who's not at this point, unless you're actually sick? You know, that's a really good question. I think many businesses are very eager to open and, and will want to. And I think others are a little more uh, nervous about the long-term impacts of opening too soon. And I think as leaders in the business community, you know, that's something we're all grappling with is how do we make sure we're opening safely? In different industry, we're gathering best practices and working with the Boulder County Health and the Chamber and, and the city to distribute best practices for restaurants, looking at putting together best practices for retail, for office use. Even some of the businesses that are able to be open, we still have to say, okay, how do you go into an office now? And how does that change in offices that have conference rooms that a lot of people use? And all of these things that we haven't had to think about, there's new things to think about. And these are really, really difficult times. So a lot of businesses are like, I just need cash flow, let's open. I think mostly people are really thinking responsibly about how to do it in a way that protects their staff, that protects their customers, and frankly, protects the long-term viability of the business by being able to, you know, open gradually in a way that's smart and effective. You know, and that's something that we're working really hard on with the county health and other agencies, as I mentioned, to really communicate to the businesses how to be safe. And then also, how do we communicate to the public that the businesses that are open are being safe and following the the best practices, which, you know, the best practices probably are going to be a little more stringent than the the governor's order or the county health order. But I think it's important for people to understand what is safe and are the businesses they want to go to, what are the practices. And it'll be gradual. I mean, you'll see some business open right away and, and hopefully with appropriate restrictions and, and precautions. And then more and more as the summer goes on, there's so much we don't know about what the fall is going to look like. There's so much we don't know about the disease, you know, how it's transmitting and where and antibodies. There's so much to learn still. And, and so I, I believe that the county and the governor are rightfully erring on the side of caution in terms of the health safety, because, you know, if we don't, the economic crisis is going to be even compounded of what we've seen now. So, Inevitably, this pandemic is going to change behavior to some extent. Have you thought much about or spoken with anyone about what this new normal might look like? What steps business owners are planning to take to keep their employees and customers safe? That sort of thing. What do you, what do you expect to be different when things finally do open up? 
Yeah, those are the the big questions right now is what is going to be different and how do we adapt? I think we also do need to look at it in stages. Nothing's going to be different on April 27th. It's going to gradually be different throughout the, the, the summer as we try to continue to try to contain this and bring back business and bring back, you know, activity and social activity and, and things that's going to change. And then there will be some long-term things that stick and some that won't. I think how people gather in space will change. I think public transportation probably will change. I certainly think the way that so much of what we do, as I said at the top of the podcast, was about, you know, our main job is to bring people downtown. How we do that is going to change drastically. We need to bring people downtown, but we're probably not going to have big festivals with thousands of people on Pearl Street. Uh, It's going to look very differently, at least for a little while. We may at some point in the future get back to a semblance of normal. Our office use is going to be different. I think you'll probably see a lot more people working from home. I think co-working is going to change in a lot of ways. It's so hard to know. I think there's, you know, entertainment's going to be different. Food service is going to be different. So many things are going to be different. So those are the big questions that people much smarter than me are grappling with. We're really trying to anticipate downtown and talking with other downtowns, you know, around the nation and, and even beyond about, you know, how are we addressing public space? And especially a place like Boulder, where we have this great park in the Pearl Street Mall that in people's mind is a place that people, a lot of people come to and it's crowded and vibrant and exciting. And now is that a liability? (laughs) And how do we ensure for that? How do we make sure that it's not a liability, but we manage the safety of that? And it's the front door to a lot of businesses. So we, we need to be welcoming in a very different way. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot quick. We're already learning a lot, but how it's going to change how people behave, I think a lot of that will have to do with how things are communicated by us, by our our leaders in the community, and frankly, our leaders in the state and in the country. And I don't know how how much uh, Boulder's uh, behaviors will be governed by how how, uh, things are communicated out of certain administrations, but, you know, there is the narrative in the, in the, that everyone kind of latches onto and understands, and we're going to have to really figure out how to, one, be safe and understand what people believe to feel safe. And, and along those lines, during this coronavirus pause, to put a nice gloss on it, Uh, We've had a lot of time to reevaluate priorities, reconsider what's essential, and think about the kind of world we'd like to live in once we come out of this. Uh, Are there any particular changes you'd like to see in terms of anything, really, downtown Boulder, of course, or anything else that that comes to mind? Um, And how do we maintain the momentum to make them happen post-corona? You know, one of the things that I think a lot about is in the work that we do in downtown and promoting downtown is just the question of who we're catering to, who downtown is for. And um, I think, you know, we have an opportunity and a necessity right now. We've always had the opportunity and the necessity kind of elevates the opportunity to really look at inclusivity in our downtown in our business community, in our general community, and in everything that we do and how how we look at who feels welcome downtown and who doesn't and why. I think we, you know, we, we've got a fantastic downtown. 
it's reputed all over the world as a very successful and vibrant downtown because it is. You know, we have tourists coming from all over the place. We have a lot of folks who work downtown, who spend a lot of time downtown. And in a lot of ways, it can feel like an exclusive downtown. And so I think there is an, an opportunity for us to really understand who our downtown is for and how do we engage with more people and more of the community and uh, create a downtown that is a downtown for everybody. And that's something that every downtown is struggling with, is really understanding how to be inclusive in your communities. And, and we're not going to see the tourism that we've seen for a little while. We're probably not going to have a lot of the employees working downtown that we've had. So, you know, who is our downtown for and how do we really engage with the folks here in Boulder and, and really give them more of a role in downtown, more of a voice in downtown and more uh, uh, equity in downtown. So I think that's one of the areas I'm really looking at in terms of sort of the opportunity moment there is how can we look at inclusivity and, and equity differently in downtown? and you know, how do we use our public space differently, you know, or how, how will we have to use our public space differently? That's something I'm very concerned about. Are you able to share any steps or strategies you've discussed to make downtown a more inclusive place? Well, there's sort of pre-COVID and post-COVID, you know, one, one of the things that we were honestly about to launch and about to send out applications for uh, we're launching a community advisory panel, uh, which is a small step, uh, but really trying to get some people at the table who haven't been at the table to learn from, learn those questions. It's, it's really not for me to decide how to be more inclusive, but it's for me to, you know, me and my board and, and my staff and others in the community kind of ask the question of people who aren't included of how to be more inclusive. So, you know, that's something I, I'm anxious to continue that work. It obviously, like almost everything has been put on hold, but we're getting ready to relaunch that. I also feel like their um, rent is gonna be challenging for a, a lot of folks. And I think there's gonna be opportunities for smaller footprint stores and some um, coordination and incubator pop-up things. And, and there's things we can do. Secured boxcar model, that kind exactly, of thing. Exactly, exactly. Or even more so where, you know, we hosted the open studios pop-up in the old Chicago building last summer. I think there's more opportunities to do some local makers, some, you know, other spaces in, in you know, vacant storefronts if they, or shared space if footprints start reducing some of the businesses might need to downsize. So there's opportunities in, in all of it. You know, our main priority right now is focusing on how do we support the existing businesses to stay here. That's our number one goal and number one priority. That brings up a question, you know, you walk downtown and there's a lot of fairly large, mostly restaurant spaces vacant all down Pearl Street. Ahi, Emerson, Ted's, et cetera, Lazy Dog. Do you have any vision for what's going to happen there or any knowledge of what actually is going to happen in any of those spaces? How do you see that playing out in the landscape? Well, I don't have a current update, but before we, this all happened, uh, I know at least two of the spaces you mentioned had a, a letter of a, a interest and in, in we're working on a tenant. You know, I think we do have a lot of restaurant space that may shift. A lot of the spaces that are vacant are leased and you know in various stages of waiting for permits or this and that so it may look more vacant than it is i know we've been anxiously awaiting avanti 
and some other spots. I think there are some conversations about the lazy dog space that there may be some upgrades. So there's probably less vacancy, at least there was, than it there appeared, just because there, you know, there were projects in the works that we just didn't see action yet. Having said that, you know, it was really hard for restaurants in this environment anywhere before this, especially single single operators who have one location, food costs continue to go up, labor costs continue to go up. The menu items, the prices don't go up that much. A little bit they do, and, and when they do, people talk about it, right? So the margins on restaurants are really tight, you know? So I think we're gonna see a lot more shifting in restaurants, a lot less table service. Uh, it was already trending that way where a lot of restaurants were going fast casual or at least having that option. I think we're going to probably see more and more of that, but uh, there may be other models pop up. There may be other food delivery systems or some other brilliant food distribution model that we haven't seen yet may come out of this. I think for some people, probably very few people, they've really figured out how to make the sidewalk pickup and delivery system work really well and opening up their dining room, especially at half capacity maybe a disruption rather than a, you know, that that may be a, a challenge to their new format and they might say, forget it, we can use the dining room for something else. Yeah, um, I was just reading an article in the in the Denver Post today about a restaurant in uh, Aurora that has been doing well with the takeout and they were saying, that, you know, even if they could open up at half capacity, they probably wouldn't do it because they're making 50% of their revenue just from the takeout and they're not really grow that very much by having limited table service. So, and at the same time, endangering their employees and the cost, the other customers, they're just going to stay shut until they feel like it's truly safe. Yeah. You know, this model may grow and that maybe for a lot of operators, the dining room just is more of a liability than an asset, especially if your dining room has to be, you know, however many square footage for three people or whatever. It's, it's, it's hard to know how the restaurant world will change. It's also really hard to know how the retail world will change. I heard some, some number uh, recently about the tens of millions of people who used Amazon for the first time in this crisis. Wow. Right? Who, yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people who don't shop online, because they had a block or because they didn't want to, and maybe not because of the reason I don't shop online for ideological reasons, but just because they haven't done that they have to. And they said, oh, that was easy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that may really impact how bricks and mortar retail changes and, you know, having more showroom. And even if you have a really big online sale, having bricks and mortar on a place like Pearl Street or any other you know, high tourism, high pedestrian area is probably worth it because you have some great exposure. If you have high traffic, you know, areas, that that may change too. The one thing we can be sure of is that the human uh, ability to expand its creativity to meet whatever challenge it's facing, that'll uh, be prevalent in the coming months. Sorry, I was going to say, you know, I think bringing it to the tech community that exists in Boulder and the the opportunity there is we have a lot of problems to solve and we have a lot of problem solvers. So I'm excited to see how we as a community and kind of integrating some of the people who are working in in tech in in Boulder and in science and 
in other uh, realms can really kind of tackle some of this and understand, you know, how do we support our local economy? How do we support the businesses who have been here, you know, and are part of the reason we want our office to be downtown or part of the reason we want to live in Boulder? You know, how do we do that? So, I, you know, I think there's certainly a a really, really significant role for the problem-solving community of the tech workers here and, and tech thinkers. Yeah, and that's really been actually a, a guiding kind of question for this podcast since it uh, was born almost three years ago is I think the tech community gets blamed for a lot of Boulder's problems. Most of that blame is misplaced, I think, or a lot sure. of it anyway. But it still it brings about the question for me. Yeah, there's a lot of tech people here, a lot of very smart people who self-describe problem solvers. And what can the tech community do? Not necessarily because it's obligated to, but because it's in its benefit to just make Boulder a better place to live for everybody. Because yeah. yeah. there's plenty of tech people who, even though they're getting paid well, they can't afford to live here either. Right. No, it's true. And I, and I think that's, you know, I, I do think you're absolutely right. The tech community is scapegoated uh, for a lot of problems. And I, I think that having not only the tech community, but generally the community of people who are working in the offices downtown has been a big, big boon and a big benefit to the, the district and to the, the growth of downtown Boulder. I think having more people working downtown just supports everybody. But there are challenges. There are challenges we face as a community that, you know, whether or not they are a byproduct of, you know, the growth in the tech community in Boulder, you know, I would, I would argue that they're not, but whether or not they are, there's still problems that the tech community could be very helpful in, in kind of addressing um, and has been helpful in addressing both from a financial standpoint to a, a thought standpoint. I think, you know, we have seen a, a, an awful lot of philanthropy from, you know, Google, from a number of folks in the community who are supporting these efforts in a lot of ways. Sure. Any remarkable stories you'd like to share about businesses and or customers going above and beyond in this time of virus, maybe getting especially creative in response to this situation? Yeah, you know, it's been, um, I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting is when we started calling our businesses and said, okay, let's check on everybody just give them a, a minute to tell us, you know, how things are going so we can try to figure out how we can best support. Most of the people, almost everybody we talked to was like, you guys are great to call. How can we help? You know, what can we do? And these are the businesses who are shuttering their doors and not seeing revenue and having to lay off their employees. They're all saying, what can we do? And you know, I think that's the, the thing that I've been struck with is, you know, that's why we're downtown is because it's a community. Whoever they are, whether they're working or living downtown, people want to live downtown because it's a community. Whether it's because they want to be part of the tech hub downtown or want to be part of the retail scene or the, the food scene on the West End or whatever it is, there's people want to be where the people are. And what I've seen in this moment is people are like, what do we do? How do we help? You know, how can we help? How can we get through this? No one's saying, how can I get through this? Everyone is saying, how can we get through this? You know, and I've seen some real, real creative things, a lot of partnering, you know, our, a lot of our retails came up with this idea that, you know, they're all trying to sell gift cards. And they said, you know, that'll help us, but what else can we do? So they've launched, a, we worked with many of the retails to launch a cause and effect 
uh, campaign where if you buy a, a gift card from participating retailers, they donate a part of the proceeds to the Feed the Frontlines effort, which is feeding healthcare workers and buying food from local restaurants to feed healthcare workers and provide food for people in need and, and various programs. You know, I've seen some really fun delivery. I'm sure you probably saw Andrew Hyde over at Trident with his mystery book delivery, which is great. People are locked up, you know, and Artists International has, you know, they're a framing shop and they have po great posters. They also have puzzles. So they're like, yeah, come buy a puzzle. We'll meet you in the back alley, do a drive-by, we'll throw, throw a puzzle in your window. So, you know, and there's been fun uh, social things. I, I think uh, Big Red F was having their chefs do Instagram live so you could buy a meal packet, take it home, and then their chefs would show you how to cook it on Instagram live, uh, uh, cured. Uh, have cheese tastings, you buy your wine and cheese, and then they, they get on Zoom and talk about the wine and the pairings. And so people are being creative. We've got, you know, Amana Yoga is doing, you know, online yoga classes. And, you know, lots of people are just saying, okay, what can we do? You know, what can we do? And most of them are like, we're not trying to do this to make money right now. We're trying to do this to stay connected with our community. And I think that that is paramount to the tone and the nature of everything we're doing and everything we're seeing everybody do is like, let's just stay connected because that's how we're going to get through this together. If we're all connected and we understand who needs help and, and how they need help, that's where we can be helpful. So it's been really encouraging for people to like, whatever it is, whether it's doing a, a wine and cheese thing, it's like, we just want to connect with you, you know, watch our chefs prepare a meal and follow along at home not because we're going to make money from it, but because we want to stay connected with you. And I, I think that's so important right now in this time of, quote, social distancing. Uh, we can't be socially distant. We need to be physically distant. We need right. to be socially connected. Yeah. And, and we need to keep whatever we can do to stay connected socially. And it's just harder now. Yeah. And that's a really important distinction to make. You're not the first person I've heard make that is that, Social distancing is, a, is not a good term. It's physical distancing that's what is what's required right now. But socially, we need to be more connected than ever. Yeah. I said uh, at one point, distant socialing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's another good way to put it. Uh, but maybe that's something positive that can come out of this is this sense of camaraderie and connectedness and mutual support and really realizing now like oh we really are all in this together and what's the main thing you're looking forward to doing once things are for lack of a better term back to normal oh i, I just want to hug my friends uh you know i i i'm missing some of the restaurants i haven't been going to i i miss kind of just walking around and seeing people and i don't know if we'll ever be able to shake hands again but i miss running into people and you know i um it's all of it, all of it. I think um, I see my staff every day, but they're, you know, two inch squares on my computer screen. And I, you know, I miss seeing everybody's faces and I miss being in the office. I miss walking around and talking to the businesses and uh, just, it's the, the kind of engagement that, that is different. And, you know, you, you get fresh air, you walk around, but I miss going to places. I miss hanging out at the laughing goat or the mountain sun and having a beer and just hanging out and talking to whoever sits down at the counter next to me, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that like human spontaneity in a way. Yeah. We're all I connected. Think, we're all zooming, but it's not, you know, just like 
zoom someone up out of the blue and say, hey, what's up? you schedule it, right? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, there is, uh, you know, I, I tell you, I do spend, you know, a lot of the time since I've been in Boulder, I go to a couple of the places I mentioned, but, you know, Foolish Craig's uh, places that have counters, you know, because I eat alone a lot and I'll go out and sit and somebody else sit next to me and we'll have a conversation. Right. And so that unplanned social interaction, I met some amazing people sitting in the counter, you know, and had great conversations. And you're right, our social contact is planned. You know, it's the people we meet on Zoom. I did go, a, a friend of mine had a record release party on Zoom mm-hmm. um, the other night and it was a blast, you know, because people just get on and no one was muting themselves, so you couldn't hear anything. It was just a blah, 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 but you said, oh, so-and-so's here. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's fun. So I think there are, we've been hosting uh, weekly social hours for the business community on Zoom. Oh, cool. Um, and we've actually hired some local musicians to perform just because we can, and it's nice, you know, they're not getting gigs right now. So uh, we've had some great, you know, just play a couple of songs, and we all talk and check in. And, you know, it's not a big thing, but it's this moment most of us spend all our week on Zoom in meetings talking about, you know, loans and unemployment, this and that. So at the end of the week, let's just get a beer from your favorite place or a kombucha or whatever you're drinking. And let's just sit around and say hi and how you doing. And it's been nice. It's been nice to do that. I actually, a few episodes back, I spoke with someone and we were talking about the future of office space. Yeah. And how... On one hand, yeah, we're realizing for those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to do it, working from home is really not that big a deal. It's easy get the same amount, if not more work done and less time, all that. And realizing that the office is really almost more like for in many situations is more like a social setting. And that's where you have those impromptu or spontaneous conversations where great ideas are hashed or you just go and take a walk with someone to get a cup of coffee or just walk around the block and that's something that I don't think we're going to be able to let go of or want to let go of regardless of how things are. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like just talking about it with you and and thinking about it, it is so spontaneous because those moments are, you know, the water cooler moments because we've even tried, let's schedule a coffee break. Right. And we could just get all, all on zoom. Right. And then it's kind of forced and it's like, okay, here we are. What do we talk about? Whereas if you're just walking by somebody's desk and it's like, oh, hey, did you see that thing on Saturday Night Live or whatever it was? Did yeah, you have, yeah. Oh, you should see this thing my kid did or something. You have those spontaneous random. We don't have those in this realm. And it's missing for sure. Yeah. It's been interesting to connect with people through different ways, but the face to face human sitting at the bar kind of ways. Well, still my favorite. Way. Yeah. Well, well, let's do that. Let's plan on that sometime this summer. Let's meet at a bar. And... Oh, for sure. I work just around the corner from Foolish Craig's. I'll meet you there anytime. Perfect. Perfect. Even if it's a six foot table, we can still do that. Absolutely. So, Anything else you'd like to add? Anything I missed? You know, just keep thinking of the ideas. I appreciate what you do and, and the community you're working in. And I think you know, we have so much downtown and, and I think we're, remember every day when I start this, I'm really fortunate to be stressed by this, right? I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm one of the people who is inconvenienced and stressed by this and not, not that I, I am devastated or it could, it's so much worse for so many people. And I think for a lot of us in Boulder and especially in the downtown community, it's easy for a lot of the people who probably are listening to 
shift to working remotely because you know we're we're working in an industry that that's already you know it's a lot easier you know when you look at the the rates of response in a place like san francisco versus detroit sure it's easy to work from home to pivot if you're working for salesforce than if you're working for sanitation department in detroit and we're in a place where we're very fortunate we're able to shift in a way a lot of the world is not going to be able to and we can't come through this on an individual level or a community level and say we need to continue to think about how we take care of each other, you know, on a local level, individually, and on a global level. How do we get out of this and how do we better prepare the world for the next one, whatever that is? And a lot of that is equity. A lot of that is resources. So I'm encouraged, you know, we'll get through it. Yeah, definitely. One way or another. <laughs> one way or another. And I look forward to that bear. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chip from downtown Boulder, thanks very much for your time. It's great speaking with you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You too. That was Chip, CEO of the Downtown Boulder Partnership. Learn more at downtownboulder.org and follow them on Twitter at Downtown Boulder. The Boulder Tech Podcast is made possible in part by Glider, a Colorado-based community movement and nonprofit that produces Boulder's Ignite and TEDx events as well as Boulder Startup Week. Learn more and consider a donation at glider.com. The Boulder Tech Podcast is produced by me, Joel Davis. Your feedback, criticisms, comments, and guest suggestions are welcome. And again, if you or your company or organization have switched your focus, to helping solve the many problems caused by the coronavirus pandemic, and you'd like to come on the podcast to talk about it, reach me at joel at dojo4.com or DM me on Twitter at Boulder TechCast. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. Wash your hands. Maintain that physical distancing. And we'll see you back here for the next episode of the Boulder Tech Podcast.